But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today is called Annunciation Sunday, and when we think of Annunciation, we usually think, rightly, of the angel's Annunciation to Mary, as recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke. But for this year A, we're on a three-year lectionary cycle, we have Matthew's account, and it's really, I mean, it is the Annunciation to Joseph and not to Mary. So Joseph, that sort of um, hidden hero of the Holy Family, is our focus of the Gospel this morning, and on whom I want to pay attention. Uh, I think it's useful to try and ima- uh, recreate to your imagination how this whole event would have been experienced from Joseph's perspective. So try to, as best you can, try and imagine with me that you are Joseph. Right? Imagine that you're uh, a skilled carpenter uh, in a small village. You've always taken a bit of joy uh, in the fact that you are a descendant of David. I think it was sort of the first century equivalent of like being a Kennedy in the 90s or something. And say, like, yeah, I'm a Kennedy or... That, that probably doesn't work very well down south. Um, I don't know. I, also, I had to ask Art what would be a better analogy than Kennedy, and he said maybe Jamestown family? I don't know what. But some sort of proud ancestry, something you took pride in, that you were something special. You weren't just an ordinary carpenter. You were a descendant of David. He knew he had a bit of royal blood in his veins. Um, and then imagine that you meet this young lady uh, in your village, and doubtless you knew about her when she was just growing up because... Traditionally, there was a bigger age difference between men and women as they got married back then. Um, She had a a spotless reputation in town. And you knew that she also was a descendant of David, so you thought that might be a good match for marriage. So you go over to Joachim and Anna's house. Those are the traditional names for Mary's parents. Um, Dating wasn't like it was... Well, there was no such thing as dating, uh, really, in the first century. If you wanted to marry someone, you went to their family's house and asked for their blessing, and that was how it began. So you're Joseph. You go over to Joachim and Anna's house. You ask if you could, in fact, have their blessing to marry their daughter Mary. They give you their blessing, which means you're now officially engaged. They didn't have uh, wedding rings back then. Um, You have to go away, perhaps, for a couple weeks. And here I'm sort of imaginatively, when we stitch together the details of Matthew and Luke, there's a few kind of pieces missing in the storyline. And so one of the things we're trying to figure out is how did Joseph just one day discover she was pregnant? We know from Luke's account that Mary goes to be with her sister, her cousin Elizabeth, right? And she stays for three months. So if you, you pop out of town for a little bit, Mary goes to visit her cousin. You come back, she's gone. Okay, well, she's visiting her cousin, no big deal. But then she's gone for three months, and you hear that she's coming back. So on the day you hear that she's coming back, you go back over to Joachim and Anna's house, where Mary, of course, is still living, and you go to greet your fiancé, and there's a baby bump. Right? You're, you're, you're no naive. You know where babies come from. You know exactly what this means. So obviously this would be overthrowing and, and horrifying, but then there would, I think there would also be the baffling element in the... Mary had nothing to be guilty about, so she wasn't giving off guilty airs. She was still as pure and and lovely as always. So it says that um, as soon as he resolved, so I think Joseph probably fled Joachim and Anna's house, runs back to his house. Um, And of course, 
he knows that he has to break the engagement, right? Mary's, in his appearance, everything looked terrible. The only decision was to do it publicly and really shame Mary and himself or, or, or privately and, and do it discreetly. And he resolves, it says, to, do, to break the engagement privately. I imagine it wasn't an easy night going to sleep that night. Uh, but eventually he fell asleep. And then in his dream, boom, an angel shows up. And I don't think it was an angel like in, like an inception where there's sort of things in a dream in a dream. I think it was as real as being awake. I think when an angel shows up, you don't think you're in a dream. I think it's like a, as visible as anything that you could see. So he sees an angel, and the angel addresses him by name. I think quite a startling experience. Joseph, and then names his royal messianic lineage, son of David. Okay. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Okay. Right, when an angel commands. And then the angel gives the reason. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Just try and picture how much this is to take in. Remember, the only person on the planet at this point who even knew that there was a Holy Spirit was Mary when the angel announced it to her. Only in Jesus and in his ministry do we learn that God is Trinity, right? Joseph's been worshiping the one God of Israel. And all of a sudden, the angel says, Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit, okay, has created a child in Mary's womb. (laughs) This is an incredible amount of information for Joseph to take in. He has just been informed that he will be foster father to the God-man, right? This child in Mary's womb who's caused and created by God and yet is clearly in Mary's womb. Right away we see there the first revelation of the mystery of the incarnation, that Jesus is fully God and fully man, that he existed before all ages as the Son of God, but obviously has a very concrete beginning of his existence as a human being. Joseph wakes up and he must have been a man of great faith because it says in verse 24 of the gospel, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, meaning he didn't break the engagement, he, he followed through with the engagement and got married. And then the Bible takes pains to point out, too, that but they didn't have marital relations. He got married, but they abstained. I think this would have required um, actually an enormous amount of faith on Joseph's part to go ahead and marry the pregnant Mary. Uh, and this is the thing I really want to zoom in on is his faith and what we can emulate in it. Faith to believe the messenger, that even though we know angels had this sort of overawing force, um, it still would have, was a, you know, this wasn't an ordinary occurrence. Uh, very few people in biblical history get an angelic visitation. Very strange messenger. I think it would have been tempting to dismiss it as just a dream. Right? It happened while he was sleeping. Right? I'm sure the temptation was there to say, maybe that was just some crazy hallucination I had, you know. But no, to trust. No, I, I believe that was a real messenger. Faith not just to believe the messenger, but the message. That even though it was unbelievable, right, incredible, that God has made a child inside Mary's belly, to believe that it's true, to repel the skepticism. You can only imagine sort of his worst suspicions about the origin of this baby, but to repel those with faith and to say, I, I do believe what the angel said. It's never happened before or since, right? There's no precedent. There's no sort of court of appeal he could lean into but just believing because he believed the messenger who was God speaking through the angel. I think in this way, Joseph is really someone we can follow for faith. 
just to sort of describe his faith, it's faith that stands by the unbelievable, right? Pulling Mary closer and actually marrying her rather than putting her away. Faith that is loyal to the revelation that's received, even if it's embarrassing. You can only imagine what Joseph marrying a pregnant Mary did in the Nazareth gossip mill, right? They didn't have shotguns back then, but I'm sure everybody thought that's what had happened. To believe the divine message, to pull Mary close and protect her. And I think that's really the image, this picture of Joseph sort of, rather than breaking the engagement, saying, no, I'm going to marry pregnant Mary. That, that's the image I think that we can uh, take with us this week. For us, um, occasionally we're in a similar situation that when the Christian claim, whatever aspect of it, seems incredible and unbelievable, to stay loyal to it because we trust the messenger and to trust the message. Right? We hear from the Bible incredible things, things that most people on the planet don't believe. They hear it and they're like, nope, there's no way that could happen. There's no way a guy comes back from the dead. There's no way there's a living personal God who cares about you and listens to your prayers. Right? This is the source of great skepticism in the world, but we believe it because it's what the Bible says. And Christian testimony bears it out in experience, but ultimately we trust the apostolic witness in the scriptures to stand by them even if they're embarrassing. Um, last week I preached about healing and asking God for healing. And I know that some of you have been asking God for healing for specific things for a long time and God hasn't answered your prayers yet. And I think this can be so, there can be sort of this can be difficult, especially to explain to a non-Christian. Like, you still pray to the God who hasn't answered your prayers to say, yeah, I do. And it, it is a bit embarrassing. I wish I did have an answered prayer that would be this sort of wonderful evidence of God's presence. But I don't. Right? Like Joseph, right? He didn't have proof. He couldn't say, no, no, let me show you how this is a divine baby. Right? He just took on the embarrassment and said, no, I know the truth. And I pull it close. I don't need to distance myself from it. When we believe the Christmas message that God became a man, right? we forget as Christians how crazy this sounds to the, all of human history and all non-Christians that God became a man. But not to say, not to downplay it and say, oh, I don't know about, you know, say, no, that's the Christian proclamation. I believe it. I pull Mary close. Or to say sort of the inverse of the gospel, which is the thing the gospel came to remedy, that unless God became man, we'd all be doomed to eternal punishment, every last one of us. It's kind of an almost an embarrassing thing to admit that you believe. I believe there's a hell. And it's real, and that Jesus came to earth to rescue us from it. But rather than sort of stiff-arming away the embarrassment, say, you know, I trust the messenger, I trust the message, I'm going to marry Mary. <laughs> I claim this truth as my own. I draw it closer. Um, not just to the world, but I think even in our own heads, um, there is a way in which all doubt is an ordinary part of the Christian life. That sort of from time to time, season to season, different aspects of the Christian revelation, there's a moment of, do I believe it? Right? And the fact of asking the question doesn't mean you have bad faith. It just means you're a human being to ask the question. Do I believe it? I don't know. But often in the moment of sort of engaging with doubt earnestly, Often there'll be a fork in the road where there's sort of the voice of skepticism and the voice of credulity, of, of sort of a choosing to stay loyal, and, and there's sort of a choice of the will to say, well, I have every reason to be skeptical. I have no proof that this baby is divine. I have no proof that Jesus was raised from the dead. But even though, but I trust the messenger. I trust the message, and I'm going to stick to it. And with an act of the will, 
to push away skepticism. I think Joseph had to do this. I'm, I'm certain of it, as much as you can be certain about speculation, but I'm confident that Joseph had doubts, that this message was so strange, that, you know, he was, you could imagine him walking to Bethlehem beside Mary, just seeing that baby bump, and you could imagine the voice of the tempter saying, yeah, right, yeah, divine baby, right, right? And it was Joseph's goodwill and his good faith to say, no, I do believe that it's from God. Right? Actually constantly having to reinforce against the senses, because every time he's ever seen a baby bump before, he knew how it happened, to say, no, I actually believe what's unseen. I believe the message. I'm certain Joseph, by the grace of God, um, chose to stay loyal to, to God's revelation, chose to keep the faith. And I think that's the charge so that we can copy and strive for ourselves. Tenaciously clinging to revelation, clinging to the word of God, even in the face of our own inner skepticism, to say, to, to, to not just, you know, the Christian phrase is struggle with doubt, and that's different than giving in to doubt. Do you see the difference? Okay, find a struggle, but with the will not to give in. Say, no, I know, this is hard to believe. Lord, help me to believe this. Keep me loyal, but with the will, like he would stick by, Joseph stuck by Mary, sticking by the truth. The result uh, for Joseph was that he um, obeyed the message, he protected Mary, and was the foster father for the unique Son of God. That was his reward, is that he got to have front row seats to the salvation of the world because he was loyal by faith. If he'd have said no, he wouldn't have joined Mary. He wouldn't have got to witness and have the privilege of raising baby Jesus to be the savior of the world. <laughs> what a privilege. It's the same for us. If we choose with loyalty to God and, and trust in his revelation, if we stick with the message, our joy is we get to have front row seats, right? We get to, we'll, we'll get to see Christ face to face when he comes, right? We will actually get to ex see him in a way and know him by faith here in this life. Keeping the message means we get to enjoy the participation in the salvation of God. That's why we would copy Joseph. So I commend him. And we've got this little um, figurine here as a, as a figure of Joseph for the, the nativity scene that will place the figure of the Christ child in on Christmas Eve. Um, to think this, these next few days as we approach Christmas, think of St. Joseph and keep his faith. Amen.